This year's donations might go to, say, the geology department. Oh dear, not the dirt people. Geology is the study of pressure and time. That's all it takes, really. What kind of activity has turned the lake massive? Look, I'm just a geologist. I like rocks. I love rocks. Glad you did that. Uh, good evening. Hello. Welcome to the Geology Flannel Cast. Brilliant, Jesse. That was awesome. I, I thought about like throwing a lot of energy behind it, and then I was like, no, I'm just gonna. Why did you want to start a podcast off with energy? Like, no, no. I, because we're like a locomotive. We we build up as we go. We start slow, and then by the end of it, we're just run away, about to go off the tracks. <laughs> go off the rails <laughs> <laughs> well hello everybody my name is steve and hey there everybody this is chris and this uh, is the geology flannel cast thank you for tuning in and downloading our episode this week episode 105 oh, what a Sick. good number and uh action-packed episode today the plan is we're going to talk about the hundred year flood today it's the 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 concept you make it sound like it's like a single flood. Yeah, that's like, what I was kind of yeah. hundred year flood. Dun dun dun. <laughs> I was like, which one? Ooh, that does sound like a good concept for a B movie. That would be a good. I mean, I'm sure there's got to be like a crappy horror movie called The Hundred Year Flood. Oh man, there's got to be like I, I assume there's like a bank heist involved or something. Well, yeah, there was that movie, The Hurricane, I think, where they had a mm, they tried is... to rob something during a hurricane. Oh, that's why I can't write movies because I would totally just steal. <laughs> so I've got this idea about this. There's a ring, and they have to throw it into a volcano. <laughs> Little. People. It's actually. Oh man, if we could do a parody of that about geologists. <laughs> well, I know the one main structure book. It, it, the oh, yeah, like, yeah, the lat, like, yeah, it's it's Middle Earth. Yeah, they use a, a structure map of of Mordor, and you know, I think they use fake names because copyright. I, I I know there's definitely Gandalf's knob. Yeah, is one of the places which, is, yeah, but uh, yep. So hundred hundred years. There's, there's a movie called The Hundred Year Flood, a documentary. Oh, and then uh. there's another one called uh, uh, the or One Thousand Year Flood that came out in 2018. Is, That's is that a documentary. No, they're not? both documentaries. Uh, the One Thousand Year Flood's about uh, Louisiana's Great Flood. Um, some about Louisiana without clicking the link and looking into it. Do you, and maybe we could we could talk about this, but I know like. Um, so the, the Mississippi River, you know, during during the one of the big um, work works progress administration WPA, you know, one of these New Deal era project uh, programs, one of the things they did, I think it was WPA. It was right around that time. It was the TVA, which is the Tennessee Valley Authority, and, mm-hmm. and one of the things they did was, you know, they. They built all of these dams around, you know, the Tennessee Valley. Uh-huh. Uh, part of it was to electrify that part of the country, which had very uh, little electricity in these rural areas. But the other part of it was to control flooding. And along the lower Mississippi River Valley, they had all of, there was, you know, 
annual, semi-annual, just devastating floods. And we don't really have that as much anymore because of some of these projects of putting in, say, these these um, levees and 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 dikes and dams and things. Uh, but the Army Corps of Engineer, they built this massive uh, model, and I think you can go still see it today. And it's like a one to fifty scale of the Lower Mississippi Valley. It's massive. And because they wanted to, it acted as a model where they could see where the flooding occurred and where they should build things. And they could sort of test out different ways in which if we put a, you know, if we put levees in here, how it will affect the, the flooding and whatnot. But it, part of it was because in the early 30s, there was these massive floods that hit this area. It's probably 100 year floods. Or more. It doesn't have to just be, doesn't necessarily stop at the 100 year flood. You have a certainly does not 10,000 year flood. But uh, Chris, 100 year flood happens every 100 years. It's a boring episode. That's it. Moving on. It was just that's why I picked it. Just go with the low hanging fruit, right? Yeah, Yeah. we we, we just tune in next week. So So we don't have to worry for another 99 years. But that's not quite how it works, is it? I was being so, a little coy there, Chris. I see what you, you did couldn't there. tell. It was very good. It was very was good. It subtle. You, you're trying to push along the the episode here. He's kind of kind of getting stuck in a rut there. Jesse go no, to no, <laughs> how dare you? Oh, that was a good history lesson about the TVA <laughs> depression era. That, the TVA yeah, is still Isaac. around. Yeah. Yes. The t- yeah. Uh, they're yeah, absolutely sure. still around. Yeah. Yeah. Sure. Sure are. Um. All right. Uh, thank you for waking us up, Steve, with that. Um, Come so- on. <laughs> <laughs> no, it was good. So the, uh, the other thing I just to add on to what Jesse was uh, saying, and he kind of said this, but the, yeah, the lower Mississippi river around like New Orleans is so engineered that from what I've read, uh, they kind of say it's, it's uh, it doesn't flood. It won't, it won't flood anymore. Cause it's, there's so much engineering controls there. Now, North of Louisiana, it's a different story, but um, yeah, well, from what I hear, unless it's a hurricane, but yeah, okay. too soon. Sorry, not too soon, just uh, sure. But the hurricane would have to go inland, and usually, as hurricanes move inland, it yeah. was a little I, bit of steam. I think he's referencing Katrina, yeah, which, the devastating, oh, terrible, awful, well, yeah, hurricane. okay, yeah. So, if you yeah, obviously, thank you, Steve, but that was, yeah, uh, but that was man made failure of of some of the levees there on yeah just the levees didn't didn't hold up to what they were supposed to oh no they held up to what they were supposed to hold up to they they just engineered them to hold up to a category three and it was not or i think it hit it was it was i guess when it hit hit hit, three yeah when it hit it was a three i think they were engineered anyway this is not an episode on hurricane katrina but yeah engineering failures yes Um, no, we're talking about the 100 year, uh, the concept of a hundred year flood. So statistically how this works is it's, uh, it's a magnitude of flood that occurs statistically once every 100 years. That doesn't mean that it has to be every hundred years on the dot. Um, it's just, it's just kind of a way to predict. It's kind of a way to predict the magnitude of, of a flood. The, and the way to think about it, like, yeah, it's a certain magnitude of flooding. So you have a really big flood. 
it's saying the next year, the probability, there's a 1% probability that that same magnitude flood happens. So one out of a hundred uh, probability that that flood will happen, happen again. So then we'll, the we'll next, fit. the next year, would it be a 2% probability? No, every year it's the same probability. It's always happen. 1%. Yeah. So um, yeah, just, it's like, uh, it's like the idea where you talk about volcanoes being overdue for an, for an eruption that that doesn't necessarily mean anything right so it's it's not additive is what i'm saying like just because you haven't had it in three years doesn't mean you're you're down to 97 percent. and even if you go 200 years you know more the next year you know more statistics if you haven't had a hundred year flood in 200 years the next year you know more statistically likely to have a hundred year flood than any other year just every year those are the chances of that of that flood occurring so fun fact now gentlemen this kind of caught me off guard a little bit i when i was doing a little bit of research for this episode i looked up the the definition of flood what is the definition of a flood now this is such a term this is a term that i'm i'm excited because i'm going to tell you what I teach, and I'm excited for you to say it's wrong. Everybody's degree is voided now. Your uh, credits are voided. <laughs> I don't. I don't teach this at all because like, I don't know like that term, much like, about it. But can I? Can I take a guess? Go ahead. You can guess all you want. When the river overflows its banks. Okay, Jesse. Uh, that's yeah. Basically, there's a natural levy, and when you hit the top of the bank, the flow is either you know. Below, you hit the top of the banks, and we call that bank full. And then once you overtop the banks, you would say you're in flood stage. So if you had to, well, how about this? Let's, let's do this, this fun little exercise. If there are aliens that landed on Earth, right? And you had to define a flood, what would you say? And you couldn't use the word, this word bank, because what technically are you the, defining as? The when water it, when goes it, outside the channel. There you go. Okay. But that's not always technically correct, right? Rivers can evolve and change paths. Right. Yeah, so, but does it only evolve and change paths during a flood? You can have, yeah, if you have a breach, say, say you have a breach, like, the, you, where like the, an like, oxbow lake or something, you mean? Yeah, where the bank like blows open and the water starts flowing through it. I guess but it never that, overtopped the channel. Yeah. But it, it creates, you know, either a crevasse splay or it creates a new channel. But the moment it starts flowing out of that channel, would you? It, you'd probably consider that a flood event, right? So, okay, when I was when I was just just today when I was looking up some stuff about this, I was wondering. I wonder because I I was thinking. You mean like, all week I, during your research? When I was locked in the library for the last five days, <laughs> it wouldn't let me out. I was reading this or reading about this and I was thinking, huh, the definition of the word flood. Like, I wonder if there is like an actual, like very specific definition where it's like you take the average of discharge of the river or something like that. And a flood is X amount of percentage more than that. No, it's like the simplest definition ever. You guys are both right. It is uh, according to the USGS. Uh, a flood is any relatively high stream flow that overtops the natural or artificial banks of a river. That's it. So there's no, the, 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 the definition of the word flood is a very, very, very loose definition. 
I I like to point out that it's because Steve and I are really good teachers. <laughs> I'd like to also point out that you preface this by saying you're probably going to be wrong. <laughs> <laughs> how do you, I mean, isn't that how you start every class? Right. <laughs> I was thinking it was the 1990 album by They Might Be Giants. So that was my gut instinct. The what? No. Nobody knows they might be giants. I know they might be giants. What's what's the album? album? It's called Flood. Oh, Oh. I guess I don't know. I just never mind. Yeah, from Malcolm the Middle and the Constantinople uh, song. Particle Man. (laughs) I think Constantinople is on Flood. Oh, wow. There was an Animaniacs episode where they did the music for it. Nice. So, uh, Movie. They might be giants. Also, do the theme song to Mickey Mouse Clubhouse. So, oh. um, <laughs> great. <laughs> this is really so. Jesse was talking about this going off the rails at the end of the podcast, but it, it, we're getting pretty close to that. Right uh, now. You know, um, you know what happened, Chris? I went off our outline, our beautifully formatted oh, outline do that do the do that and then i have another fun fact about floods after well you- yes i i would like to slap myself on my own wrist for going off our beautifully formatted outline from the formatting formula www.formattingformula.com or youtube forward slash c forward slash formatting formula they are a wonderful wonderful sponsor and have been for a long time any of your word document formatting needs please check out the formatting formula.com or if you want to learn how to do it yourself you can just check out their videos they have hundreds of hours of videos on how to do all this stuff for yourself so you can be lazy like me and send them an email and say fix it or if you want to take the time to troubleshoot it yourself you can teach yourself with these wonderful youtube videos so but most importantly make sure you tell them the geology flannel cast sent you Again, that's formattingformula.com or YouTube forward slash C forward slash formatting formula. Um, like them, subscribe them, and then check us out on YouTube. You can see Chris does most of our uh, podcast episodes topless, so it's, it's always a sight to see. Oh, wait. Nope. It's just a reddish that's shirt. The, that's the other podcast you watch. Oh, sorry. That's uh, the Geology Panel Cast After Dark. Easily confusable. <laughs> yes. Confusable? Confusable, confusing, <laughs> confusable can't be a word, can it? No, I'll put it, I'll put it into our uh, formatted document and see if it gives me an underlined red. Oh, you're going to get the red squigglies from that, but yeah, because the real test is going on Google and seeing what Google says. Oh, anywho, well, thanks again, formatting formula for being our sponsor. And uh, if you're listening, please check it out. Also, while I'm on sponsors, I'd like to thank our Patreons. We had a sweet little uh, hangout with our Patreons before our podcast today, and it was it was very fun. It was very exciting. So thank you all for being there. And you too can become a Patreon if you, you know, go to patreon.com slash Geology Final Cast and subscribe. Sounds like a great idea. <laughs> it does. That's probably the smartest thing you've said all day. <laughs> and that's a low bar, but I'll take it. <laughs> all right. Another, uh, here we go. I know everyone's at the edge of their, uh, sitting at the edge of their seat waiting for this next fun fact about. I, uh, I, I, am, I, I was promised many a fun fact this episode. Yes. 
actually, I promised two, and this is this is two of two right now. So, all right. Uh, so I'm on this website. Uh, it's actually pretty interesting. It's a uh, Pima County in Arizona. Uh, they're uh, giving some information about uh, floods and stuff like that. The hundred year flood. Pretty, pretty, some pretty neat. Uh, they have the myths here and the facts behind the myths. So it says, uh, you know, kind of, kind of what the whole topic of this podcast is today. It says, uh, myth. Since we recently had a one hundred year flood, we will be safe from flooding for another hundred years, right? And it says, well, actually, no, that's not right. You have the same amount of chance of that flood happening, you know, every year. But then it says, in uh, the Phoenix metro area, they had a hundred year flood three years in a row in 1978, 1979, and 1980. Uh, that's a lot of hundred year floods in three years. <laughs> so I, um, I did, I did have this question. How does the USGS determine what a hundred year flood is? I'm assuming so, it's some sort of distance from the bank or no, it's yeah, it's, um, so they base it off, and I don't know, Chris, do you have this handy? That basically, oh, the USGS, start off. All right, the USGS, they, they have different ways in which they, they look at flooding events. And, and um, <clears throat> one way is uh, the amount of rainfall within like a 24-hour period that leads to flooding but the main way is is like the flood stages like how high over the bank the 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 river makes it and what they would consider uh uh uh, sort of these major floods is basically it's it's an average they look at these running averages Mm -hmm. of storms through the years and that's um and they look at the probability at which they occur right yeah. So the one thing I just like to piggyback off of what Jesse said, the, the USGS has these um, uh, stream gauges all over the country. And if you. What's a stream are, gauge? So, well, that's, that's what I'm going to get at here. <laughs> you just barking at me. What's a Listen, stream gauge? We have listeners who know exactly what a stream gauge is. Listeners who'd be like, you're talking about stuff again. I don't so know what, what they it, mean. Some of them. Some it depends on what what uh, what stream is being analyzed here, but uh, some of these stream gauges can just be as simple as saying like the height of the height of the stream at any given time, and they can also figure just by that figure out how much like what's the discharge or how much water, what's the volume of water moving through the stream and in a given amount of time and things like that. So you'd be surprised how many of these uh, stream gauges. The, the federal government has in, in uh, within the United States. So that's always a fun thing to do. If you have like a, a creek nearby or, you know, a stream, look it up on the there. You can just go to the USGS website, just type in like stream gauges and they have like, there's a ton of them all over the country and you can see, and it has, it has all the real time data from these, uh, these stream gauges. So some are, and obviously uh, some others are, are more complex than that, but they all tell you basically the discharge of the, of the stream. And so what you can do is you can, it's exactly as, as Jesse said, you, you basically, you look at the, the floods over the years, right? You, and normally with the hundred year flood, you're, uh, the closer you get to a hundred years of data, the more likely, you know, the more accurate your, your answer is going to be in terms of uh, calculating statistically 
how big, how much discharge the hundred year flood's going to have. So then, and this is how they, how they make flood maps is we have this data, right? And so we know that the hundred, just say the hundred year flood is the, the level of the water is going to be, I'm just making up a number here, 20 feet above what it, it, it normally is okay, at, at non-flood stage. Okay. So then what you do is back in the day, they used to use topographic maps for this, but now it's all, it's all, you know, digital. It's still topographic maps are just digitized. Yeah. Yeah. I guess. Yeah. Three. Yeah. 3d topograph. Would you say 3d topographic maps or. Uh, I mean, they use like LIDAR. Yeah. That's what I was getting at. Yeah. 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 I, I don't know if you call LIDAR topographic map. Okay. Yeah. L- wait, LIDAR, wait, I'm showing topography. Yeah. I'm LIDAR sorry, produces I, I'm a topographic image. Yeah. You're right. I'm, I'm thinking contour maps in the back of my head. I have sorry. Yeah. Okay. Um, so you have these, these topographic maps and basically all you do is you just see how, how much, how much land is going to be flooded out at certain flood at a, a certain, um, uh, and it, when the, when the water hits a certain height and that's, it's, so we have a question from our Patreon is <clears throat> if you have a hundred year flood that hits three years in a row, is it really the hundred year flood is, is kind of the question like, well, or does it reset the definition of what a hundred year flood is? I would say the answer to that, to the best of my ability to what I know is that you would have to redo the statistics. Yeah, and that's yes. and that's one thing um, the USGS is currently considering and, and doing is is thinking about this uh, Robert Mason, who uh, he's um, he's at the USGS. He's he's the Delaware River Master, which is a pretty sweet title. That is uh, a sweet I'm, title. I don't know if that's <laughs> what do you do for a living? I'm the river master. <laughs> <laughs> he, he wears a cloak and he lives in the woods. I imagine he's like some sort of pitchfork in his hand, too. Like, yeah, you shall not enter. It yeah. <laughs> is like on the record as saying, like, we've had so many extreme events recently. Like you were saying, you were quoting in Arizona, they had three sort of in a row. I know just in our area of southeastern Pennsylvania, which, you know, we're in the Delaware River Valley. The greatest place on earth. Yeah. Really. We have had, we've had three or 400 year floods within the past 10 years. Like it's, they're occurring more readily. And there's, um, you know, there's different sort of reasons for that, that are all related to climate change, but well, well, I would argue, not no. Would, uh, yeah. Hang on. Yeah. Listen, I would nope. say 99% related to climate change. Some of it has to do with development yes. and water yeah. runoff and all that stuff too. Well, we're we're getting more rainfall. We've in the past 5 years, we've set rainfall record annual rainfall records for the 5 years. So yeah, like, like yeah. we're we're close to being a tropical rainforest. So <laughs> I, I would, well, so I'm going to argue the point here that development leads to more damaging floods, but the floods are still going to happen whether you're developed or not developed. Yeah, uh, I don't. So you have what's called. So when, if rain happens on a farm, 
I want to get that on a t-shirt. Rain happens. <laughs> Rain happens on a farm. Yes, you will get some infiltration. You will get I know some where you're going. O- overland and I agree. runoff. I'm on board with you now. I take back. I take back what I said. <laughs> yeah, you have some overland flow because you know the, the the soil can only saturate so much, and your overland flow will then go to the rivers too. But if you if you take away that permeable surface, if you take away that farm field and you pave it, you know, you pave paradise and put up a parking lot as the County Crows once told me uh, that then the reference there. Thank you. Then all that rain, none of it becomes infiltration. All of it becomes overland flow, which leads to instead of uh, slow uh, water into the creeks via the groundwater, it's just instantaneous, you know, geologically instantaneous, just right into the river, which causes it to flood quicker faster it may, yeah. it may empty faster but so that I, that's where i was going with that yeah and I, I agree with that i i will say like the hydrologic events which is a fancy way of saying storms the storm events we've been getting in the recent have been dumping a lot of you know a lot more rain and a, you know we've been having these more extreme events in the recent like you look at the flooding that just happened in germany and 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 um uh belgium you know those were sort of extreme rainfall events uh what you know less than 10 years ago in the city we there was i forget it was like july where we had a rainfall event that dropped like nine inches yeah and it it dropped like nine inches in like an hour is in like an insane storm event. So, was that like a cloudburst? I don't know. It was just a. So weird. I've seen the of... videos. I saw one video out in the Middle East. It had a cloudburst, and it was just yeah. the craziest rain I've ever seen in my life. It's it's like a waterfall, like yeah, just was, opens yeah. up in the sky. Yeah, I'm. I remember. I think I think you and I were in the. A lab, Steve. I think we were in Nick's lab, and I remember the. I remember thinking like, "That's a lot of rain." <laughs> I was like, and then like later on, it was like, you know, rainfall record set for. I do remember that. Yes. Anyhow, so I mean, I'll I'll stand by climate change. The two climate deniers on the program. Whoa, 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 whoa. I'm just saying, I think <laughs> I think as cities get bigger and bigger and bigger. I, yeah, I agree. And don't you I mean, dare lump me in with Southerner Chris. I think. <laughs> okay. Now I, I mean, got to edit that out. That's... You do see um, <laughs> you do see in like Las Vegas where like you look at the videos of, of rainfall events and because so much of it is is paved over now, they get these flash floods that occur. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And, yeah. Like to kind of uh, piggyback off what Steve was saying, these, you know, if, well, these rivers just can't handle this, this dump of water immediately. This, you know, like he said, normally if it was, you know, you think of like a nice, like, uh, like field or whatever, the water, it hits the ground, it hits the soil and it takes some time for it to percolate through and, and, uh, and, and move in towards the river as groundwater. But when you get the, the asphalt, it's just this immediate dump and when you look at a river you can tell right away especially like 
the major rivers, I think is a little trickier, but some of these like smaller creeks in these urban environments, you could tell right away, this is, we call them urban streams because there's so much erosion as a result of this, just this crazy influx of, of water. So I did, I did some work as an undergrad with, uh, with the Philadelphia water department. And we we're kind of walking around looking at, you know, some of these urban, these urban creeks in the area specifically. So you guys know the Wissahickon Creek. And one of the things they look for with these urban creeks, you know, because uh, you get what you, you get a lot of erosion on the cut bank or the outer bend of of the uh, of the creek there. So one of the things that you're looking for is root exposure. How many roots are sticking out of that exposed uh, cut bank? Because roots don't naturally grow outside of the ground. Anytime that you see like tree roots sticking out, and this can even be like sometimes you even see on the surface, right? It's from a different thing, but you know, if you see like a sometimes on like hiking paths or whatever, you can see like just like the spidering out of tree roots. That means that that area is losing soil, right? Yes. This tree root should not be exposed, and that's not good for the tree. It's eventually going to kill the tree, right? But also on these cut banks, if you have if you have a section exposed, uh, a vertical section on the on the cut bank exposed one of the things that they'll look for is they'll see what percentage of this cut bank exposure is made of root root material. And they can get a sense for how much, how bad the erosion is. The more root material you have exposed in this cut bank, the more erosion you're having. Um, so there's that. And you can also just kind of, I know they, they do, they do studies on um, just kind of what's, just something as simple as how big is the gravel in some of these uh, urban streams? You get a feel for for uh, for stream flow based on the gravel size that's um, that's in the, um, the 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 creek bed there. Yes, but to circle back to what Jesse's saying before, uh, you can get flood events in streams of that size in non-urban areas. You can get flood events in rural areas that will expose roots, that will show it, that will have gravel in the lag. Like, you know, you, you get, you can get flooding in non-urbanized areas. So it's, it's not just the urbanization, but it's not just the climate change. Does that make, you know, that, that's all I'm going. So yeah, yes. There's yes. several variables at play. Exactly. Yes. That, that's, I just wanted to make that clear. Like, uh, you know, I was taught like, Oh, this, this would never happen in a natural stream. And it, this is only because it's in an urban, urban environment. I'm like, no, this does happen in natural streams. It just happens after a flood. You just get more floods in an urban environment because you get faster influx of water over a shorter period of time. Does that make sense? Yeah. Yeah. All right. So one of the things to take in consideration also is, um, I know we're going through this right now. A lot of townships are revising their their flood maps, and usually they have this the zone um, of the hundred year flood. They don't. There's there's regulations on where you can build. Yes, and, and where you can get insured, which is yeah. essentially where you can build. 
Yeah, well, exactly, exactly. We should get into the flood insurance thing. In well, a, that's, in that's a, an outflow of the 30s. They take us back to the lower Mississippi Valley. Just where every year get flooded out. Is that where you're going? Like, every, yeah, and then when they Full started, circle, buddy. Good job, I Jesse. Mean, the National Flood Insurance Program in the U.S. Is, is sort of an outflow of that to give these people it sort of forced them to buy into this program to, to help them when there was flood events to rebuild. What they didn't anticipate was that it would be then used along coastal areas where you, and especially in the more recent time in coastal areas where you have really expensive houses built. Mm. And so that's sort of the, you know, what, what has led to some problems with the program in terms of payouts, because we're beginning to hit with more and more landfall of, of tropical storms and hurricanes instead of just these annual but, river uh, floods. But circling but, back. Yeah. Insurance companies don't, don't offer flood insurance because it's not profitable. Yeah. They will lose money on if they offered flood insurance. So the only party that offers flood insurance is the government, this flood insurance program. And like, so, you know, and then all the things that Jesse said. <laughs> but, and so, but this is, this is the thing. If, if you live or if you try and buy a house that's in an area that is designated by one of these flood maps as being prone to flooding, you have to buy flood insurance. Yes. Um, and so there, this is going to lead to some issues because as they revise these maps, they realize more areas are prone to flooding. <clears throat> It'll lead to certain things like in, in New Jersey after Hurricane Sandy, they revised the, the, the flood maps in the sense that they took into account sea level rise and, and how storm surge and, and storms are affected by that. And so I think it's new construction has to be on pilings. It used to be three feet and now it's six feet. So you have to be a six feet above mean high water or something like that. Yeah. Um, which so adds to your building costs, which also uh, a lot of those coastal towns have height restrictions. Like you can only build so high. So now if you're six feet higher off mean high tide, you can only have two floors instead of three floors or, or three floors instead of four floors or, or something like that. And yeah. that makes rich people angry. Don't tell me what to do government Yeah, rich people with my $2 million three bedroom but, house. <laughs> I mean, and part of, and, and so like, when you talk about along rivers, when you revise these flood maps, it's going to lead to um, people not building there anymore and sort of abandoning some of these areas or, or, or not. I don't, I don't know. Maybe they'll pay for it, but uh, there are cases where in the revised flood map houses are now in what's considered the floodplain. And so it, it is, it has led to uh, people moving or ab abandoning sort of these, these places. Now, correct me if I'm wrong. 
and I could very well be wrong. I'm just guessing here. But if you owned your house outright and you didn't have to have a mortgage, I think you don't have to buy flood insurance. I think you are correct. So if you're like super independently wealthy and don't care at all, like if your $2 million house gets $2 million house gets demolished every year, then yeah, you can do it without flood insurance, you know, and go from there. However, that's not most people, even, even wealthy people get mortgages because there's tax write-offs for your interests or I don't know, loopholes, I, something I, I'm not rich, so I don't know, but uh, maybe one day when I have a short house, I'll, we can talk about this with a little more firsthand knowledge, but until we, the- until we get more Patreons, I'm just going to be stuck here in Delaware County. <laughs> have it on earth, baby. <laughs> in the, in the floodplain of, I don't know what river is by you. Uh, I live near the, I think it's the East branch of the Marcus hook Creek ah. and or Chester Creek Creek Creek. Which, sorry for those people. Yeah. Creek. <laughs> so I, I live, I live a block away from the, the, the Tookany, which uh, flows eventually into the Delaware um, <clears throat> and the street a block over. I'm only seven and a half feet from or whatever it is from, from the Creek. And the people across the street from me are in the, in the flood map on the floodplain. I hope they don't redo it. Uh, seven and a half feet's a lot though. It is. And it, they've actually, uh, right before I moved in, there was a major flood, a hundred year flood even, uh, that flooded the houses across the street and, and, you know, behind them and the army corps of engineer put a whole there's a whole bypass system in now they they did a flood remediation they did a whole thing they're still doing you know 10 years on they're still working on it so i wonder how that works if there is how does that affect so like this bypass i mean while they were putting it in this flood remediation and, and some of it is like um they're just helping with, like you were saying, in this area, everything is developed. It's, it's you know, we're in urban, an urban setting. Um, a lot of it is handling the, the effluent that comes off and, and allowing it to not just overwhelm, say, the sewer systems and whatnot. Mm. But the whole time I was, I've been here, they had a, essentially a 48-inch pipe piping that ran the length of, of this, this Creek. Oh yeah. Yeah. <laughs> did they get rid of that? They finally did because they put in whatever the system is they were building downstream. Okay. There were some retention ponds they built and whatnot. So. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And like even, uh, you know, cities, you know, again, I'm going to use Philadelphia as an example that, so the Philadelphia system is what's called a mixed system. So, uh, for a lot of the city, your rainwater and your sewer water go together to the wastewater treatment plant. And that's fine on dry, sunny days, but on days when it rains, you're going to overwhelm 
your wastewater treatment plant and you're going to end up with sewage in the river because uh, the wastewater treatment plant treats the wastewater and then it goes into the river. But um, so even little things. Um, so the, what the Philadelphia Water Authority started doing a long time ago, not a long time ago, I would say in the last 10 years is anybody who wants one, here's a 55 gallon rain barrel. You can water your garden. You can do whatever you want. Water your lawn here. It's free, which is, you know, it's like 50 bucks, 60 bucks, whatever. But if everybody captured the first 55 gallons that came off the roof, that's a huge dramatic reduction in, in what's instantly going to the wastewater treatment plant. So, so that's interesting. You say that because in, I know, in I had some friends in Fort Collins, Colorado. That's highly illegal to do that. Yeah. Because they need all that water for the farmers and the irrigation. Well, yeah, they, they needed to go and the, fill up the reservoirs. Yeah. Yeah. So you can't do that everywhere. It's just that there's just there's so much water in Philadelphia. You can get away with that. And, and in the whole in the whole of, of Pennsylvania, in, in the Commonwealth, they um, they actually like 20 years ago, 15 or 20 years ago, they passed a law where your rain gutters can no longer be hooked up into your, into the sewer. Right. So most old houses, the rain gutters would go into a pipe into the ground that would go into the sewer. And so all the rainwater would flush into the sewer plant. And so these wastewater plants during big rainfall events get overwhelmed and here's a fun fact, you know, when a wastewater plant gets overwhelmed, the, the way they manage it is they just open it. And so all the effluent runs through before it's treated. And so, I mean, it's diluted and everyone knows dilution is pollution. Dilution is pollution. <laughs> so, I mean, you still have, you in, in New Jersey, you still have issues where beaches get closed because of you know, sewage that, that gets among other things like, yeah, that gets flushed <laughs> once out. in a while, the, the syringes or something like that. Yeah. You know? <laughs> so every, every once in a while, a beach will, will close because, because, you know, the, the fecal coliform values are too high, which is to say there's a level where they're there, but they're not too high. <laughs> yep. Yeah. And there is a, so even in my township, for instance, your sewer line has what's called a vent. It's usually in your yard somewhere. It's just a grate. So like air can exchange um, to, to relieve the pressure. So the water will flow correctly. It's called a vent. And in my yard right now, it's just a grate. And when I go to sell my house, that's illegal. Now I have to put like yeah. a mushroom cover over it. So just that little four inch grate, won't get rain that goes into it just because just that four inches, somebody calculated that four inches over 30,000 houses is, you know, so many, you know, million gallons during a rain event. That's like, and, and so a lot of the the old houses, like my house now and the house I grew up in, I remember you had to essentially just where the gutter came down to the ground, you just had to put in just a pipe that in, in both houses, instead of going down into the sewer, you cap the, the sewer and just had the pipe. And so now it just goes into my, you know, goes into my yard 
Or, you know, I should put a rain barrel in. But I tell you what, the problem with rain barrels. Oh, tell me. Here we go. Because I have some. The issue issue I have is that ah, they just always get mosquitoes. Even if they're closed, they get mosquitoes. I am not. I am not getting mosquitoes. I do have a, a screen over it. Yeah. So if mosquitoes get in, they can't get out. Like if they get in to lay their larvae. Oh, that's good. I, I never thought about a screen. I just always feel like ah, oh, there's. We just got a uh, cases of West Nile. Oh, geez. Yeah. No, I, my problem is my rain barrels. I want, bought ones that look nice but they're like half a barrel. So they sit up against the house. Mm. So it's only like 30 gallons, which I thought would be plenty. It's not. Why don't you just get a second one? Have- you use a lot of water. I, it- but I tell you, I tell you what the past two years, uh, I've had bumper crops of uh, this year, tomatoes. I've had yeah. so many yeah. tomatoes. Is a bumper uh, crop good? I've yes. never heard that term before. Oh yeah. That's when you have like just a lot of. Now okay. I want to tell you the secret. Go out and buy yourself like a eight dollar electric toothbrush. Okay. okay, so tomato plant. We're totally off topic here, but tomato plants are what's called the perfect flower. They have both the male and female parts yeah. in in the same flower. And old school farmers would like rub them with Q tips or like try to like pollinate themselves. But this this guy figured out that an electric toothbrush. Uh, essentially vibrates at the same frequency as a bee's wings. And it's the bee's vibration that actually releases the pollen that pollinates the flower. So if you just touch an electric toothbrush for a few seconds to each one of those flowers, within a few days, you'll have tomatoes on each flower you touch. I don't and, need any more. That's, well, that's the thing. I now have, I t- <laughs> we're like eating bruschetta and making salsa. And oh, like, yeah. I'm, I'm tomatoed out. I gave, <laughs> I gave two mixing bowls full to my neighbor. And she can she can stuff. She's canning tomatoes, and she made me some salsa. It's great, but I didn't water my garden once this summer. Oh, really? I, yeah, I we, still have to every once in a while. We've just had so much rain. I'm every, also, a pretty hands off. Every it. rainstorm you've gotten has missed me. Oh yeah, <laughs> I feel like yeah, we're just getting hammered. Well, I just uh, to get us back on track here. What? You know? This is now a gardening uh, podcast. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, One thing I... I, Sasquatch tears. I'm on the the FEMA website. So if you're living in the United States, you know what FEMA is. If you don't, it's... uh, What's FEMA? Federal Federal Emergency Emergency Management Management Association. Agency. 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 Yeah, yeah. Okay. So it's when bad things... Yeah. (laughs) There you go. Um, Another term for the hundred year flood is base flood. And they define that as a flood Oops. having a, a flood having a one percent chance of being equaled or exceeded in any given year. So uh, there you go, base flood. And then they have an actually a better definition of flood that I like a lot. Now this is this is kind of what I was looking for uh, earlier. Okay, so number one, they got a couple different uh, this is a really good definition of flood, by the way. So it's a three-part definition. Okay. Oh. So. Uh, Do you need a drum roll or something? Or no, we don't need a drum roll, Mr. All right. Sarcasm. All right. You can just sit back and relax for a second. All right. <laughs> He's getting honorary, more and more honorary with as the episodes <laughs> progress. Goodness gracious. 
Um, okay, flood, a, a general or temporary condition of partial or complete inundation of two or more acres of normally dry land or of two or more properties, at least one of which is the policyholder's property. Oh, from and it gives you all the all the uh, all the different sources of flood. So uh, overflow of inland or tidal waters, uh, unusual rapid accumulation or runoff of surface waters from any source, or they also uh, include a mud flow in here as well. But uh, that's that's not the the point that I was, I was getting at. The, uh, it, but they define it as if uh, two or more acres gets inundated of normally dry land gets inundated, then they'll slap that term flood on there. So that's the first one that I saw with an actual like. I, I I'm guessing that that exempts them from like a water main leak or something where it's just a few properties. It's not, you know, an acre or two. Well, they say a flood, or you could have two or more properties. Yeah, I don't. So I don't either know. two two or more acres, or two two properties get inundated. Huh. Um, it, but it does, but it does specifically say. See, I wonder if you could get around with this because okay, so overland overflow of inland or tidal waters. So that would be you know either a coastal flood, tidal you know, or uh, inland waters, meaning like your typical river flood here. But unusual and rapid accumulation. So that kind of just like a flash flood. Right. But yeah. wouldn't that also go with the over overflow of inland waters? Yeah. I guess it's there's or I'm trying to think how it would stand by itself. Yeah, surge. I don't know. Surface or also surface waters from any source. Hmm. So I wonder if yeah, you could get a flood uh, from a, yeah, I guess like like if you had like a two million gallon water tank rupture. Yeah. That could count as a flood. That's what I'm wondering if, if they're going for more of like the anthropogenic definition here. Yeah, what like if- I, I'm I'm pretty close to the highest point in Delaware County, and just up the road is like six million gallon tanks of water for the water department. They basically pump it up there, and then it just distributes all the way down to Delaware County. Just looking down on all of us, <laughs> so, on your high horse. Well, you know, yeah, essentially. But uh, <laughs> so it, uh, in the '60s. There was a test pilot uh, flying a plane that actually crashed into the one of the water tanks. Like he ejected and lived, but the plane hit one of the water tanks and caused a catastrophic flood down to, uh, I'm pretty sure it's the west branch of the Chester Creek. And like even today, you can see like if you go on Google Maps, kind of where where that breach occurred and like you know essentially millions of gallons instantaneously flooding into the creek caused some damage so that would be one of those like flood events so i i've heard that and maybe you guys can uh know a little more information about this so when like your streets are flooded out they always tell you like don't walk in the don't walk in the waters especially where you can't see see the bottom of the you know where you where, where your feet are heading right and I don't know if this is a myth or not. Like I said, that's where I'm, I'm asking you guys if you know any more about this. But supposedly when there's floods, people have been known to get sucked down. They step in and they get sucked down into the stormwater drains. You guys ever heard of this before? No, but th- now 
wind yeah. and terrified every time I cross the street. <laughs> Especially if there's a red balloon near it. What's the red balloon <laughs> mean? <laughs> what? Oh, Stephen oh, King's it? it? Oh, yeah. Oh, okay. okay. Yeah. <laughs> I saw a meme the other day. Oh, mommy, my my balloon went into the street. Can you get it? <laughs> and it was near a storm grain. And it was like, no way, no how. Nope. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> it's gone. Sorry, kid. <laughs> uh no, it makes sense. I mean, if that's if that's the path of least resistance and the flow is going that way. Uh, and uh, I'm not gonna lie, there are some storm drains where it's like yeah, like a soccer ball could go down there. <laughs> Holy crap. You can get sucked into a store. I'm, you, I'm looking at all these headlines. <laughs> all these people that get sucked down the uh, uh, stormwater drains. Here's one. Yeah, of the New York Post. Go. We, Teen remember, survives. Here, listen to this real quick. Teen survives being sucked half a mile through flooded storm drain. Half a mile. No, thanks. Jeez. I, this I remember, just happened a couple of weeks ago, July 12th. Oh. Holy crap. The, so the town I grew up in, I remember there was a storm, some like major rainfall event in the mid 2000s. And there was so much rainfall. And, and so there's a few mountains that the town is situated on. And the rainfall <clears throat> flushed through the sewer downhill. It created so much pressure as it was flowing that it popped off the manhole covers as it moved down the main wow yeah which would then create you know a two and a half foot hole for you to get sucked into yeah so yeah i I believe it like the scene from goonies where they're shaking the pipes oh yeah back pressure the guy flies up on the toilet Yep. Anyways, don't if there's a flood, uh, we just learned well, we, well, we've always heard this, but don't don't walk around in the flood. Yeah, you know don't, what they say. Don't drive in a flood. What well, I, what do they say? They, well, there's two sayings. It's, okay. There's many sayings, but first one is stay out, stay alive. Mm-hmm. Means like that's mainly stay more. outside, stay alive. <laughs> that's that's more for just two. That's just for uh I like that's actually that's for like bodies of water, like stripping pits. But if you're driving and the road is flooded, turn around, don't drown. Yes. Because the yeah, main because people it, die in floods. Sorry, what were you going to say? Oh, because it's only like two inches of water. It's a very six. small six inches of water. Yeah. Six, six inches of water will wash your car away. Yeah, six inches of moving water. Wow. Yeah. yeah. So the main way people die in floods especially in these flash floods and these storm events is they try and drive across a road that's flooded. Oh, how many times have you seen? Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Water you carries the car. People taking the chances and just. And the water pressure differential between outside your car and inside your car, you can't, you think, Oh, I'll just open my door. You can't open the door. No, you got to like, wait till the whole thing gets filled up. Right. You have to wait for the pressure to equalize. It's just, I, I can't even imagine. It's gotta be terrifying. So. I feel like there was an episode of uh, what was I watching? I don't. I want to say it was like Top Gear, where they did. I don't think it was Top Gear. Not thinking about it, but there was an episode where they dropped cars into a pool to see. Yeah, it was. Uh, uh, it wasn't Top Gear. It was Mythbusters. Okay. Yeah. There was another one. No, there's another like Mythbusters type show on Netflix. I, I forget what it was called, but yeah, they tried. They dropped the car in a pool, and they had those uh, 
those tools, they're testing out the tools to see which will crack the windows best. But, oh man. So you're dealing with number one, claustrophobia as the, uh, as your car is filling up with water and number two, just, you know, the, the threat of drowning. So you got the double whammy right there. And it's always cold water. There's no such thing as well, like, just, yeah, yeah uh, right? unless you're drowning in a tropical rainforest somewhere. Like, that's, I've, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I've, that's definitely, I've, I've, I've been in a car where we were driving through the, it was, it was um, essentially it was, it wasn't like a stripping pit, but it was, it was land that had been strip mined and cleared of trees and people would off road there and whatnot. And it wasn't like raining. It wasn't a flood, but we, we, we drove over this embankment and actually what the land had been used as the reason people off roaded there a lot of times was that in the forties um, the, the army had used it as tank training. So they built like tank traps and, and different things. Um, and we drove over this hump and went through this big puddle and the Jeep just got stuck. Mm. Water and mud started pouring in through the bottom of the doors <sighs> and like filling up the inside of the car. And even though like, you know, it wasn't like dire, it was still like terrifying. Like we had to crawl out the windows because you couldn't open the doors. I would have paid money to have seen you in this situation. (laughs) (laughs) What is happening? I mean, the worst part was then we had to like get shovels and dig out the car. Oh, that does sound awful. You mean this Jeep didn't have like a winch tied to the front of it or anything? Well, I mean, you you still had to free it up from the mud. It was, I guess, suction, but it was, it was a little terrifying. Like your feet are getting soaked and like seeing the water pouring in. And was it like a Jeep Wrangler? It was, uh, I think it might've been, I think it was my buddy's Cherokee and he like, he always kept it very nice, which was kind of, yeah, (laughs) Yeah, Not, not no more. Yeah. Yeah. If it was like a, my brother had a Wrangler and just beat the hell out of it. But anyhow, any don't drive through moving water. Um, let's see. Let's see. I think we ventured a little bit off the hundred year flood there for this one, but it was good. It was good. It's kind of general, general flood podcast, but, uh, let's see any other fun facts about, uh, floods or the hundred year flood. I think we pretty much hit up all the, uh, well, the big ones there. Uh, I guess that's it. All right. Yeah, I, I do want to give one little shout out uh, to my buddy, Rick, from work. Uh, he sent me an email over the weekend saying, uh, it's funny. I used to live, listen to the geology flannel cast years ago and enjoyed it until it went off the air, you know, off the air. And he stumbled across our new episodes and was like, you know, this is great. Like, you know, listening to it. And he's like, wait, one of the guys says he works for the state of Delaware. And he's like, his voice sounds really familiar. He's been listening for years. Didn't, didn't know that we work together. So Rick, (laughs) thanks for listening. I appreciate it. (laughs) Hook you up with some stickers next time I'm in the office. So. (laughs) All right. Um, well, thanks everyone for listening to another action-packed episode of the Geology Flannelcast, the premier geology podcast on the internet. Um, this concludes episode 105. Um, so if you'd uh, like to help out the podcast, if you're fans of us, you like what we're doing, 
I'd like to help out. First off, the easiest thing you can just do is just, just tell, tell a friend. It's like, hey, it's a pretty good podcast. You should listen to these guys. That always helps. Um, or if you want to go above and beyond, we have a Patreon account, as Steve uh, mentioned earlier. Go to patreon.com slash geologyflannelcast, and you can check out the different tiers and the different perks that you get with being a Patreon sponsor of the Flannelcast. Come hang out with us every every week when we record one of these episodes. Got a pretty solid crew today. Had a lot of fun hanging out with everyone. Yeah, man, it was awesome. Uh, I, I, I know one of the complaints we used to get back in the day is that we would not that this episode was a great example because we rambled off topic many times, but we used to ramble in the beginning before we got to the topic. We do that now in the pre-show with our Patreons. We get out of our system. You know, yeah. <laughs> we, covered, we covered a lot of bases today. Uh, touched many a topic. We did. But so, sometimes it's just fun to hang out. Yeah. Yeah. So we got a, got a good group people like hanging out with before the podcast starts so thanks to all our patreon sponsors that that do help us out and uh all yeah and we do have some merch on our website yes. get the merch get your uh official geology flannel cast coffee mug which will make the the coffee taste 20 percent better it um, does it's true so it's been proven geologyflannelcast.com there's also um, some t-shirts our article hoodies. in nature is about to get uh you know, picked up for us proving that our flannel cast mugs make your coffee taste twenty percent better. I don't know if that be nature. I don't know. I don't. I don't. I, it's coffee. It's from nature. It's uh. It's still in. It's still in peer review. <laughs> still waiting. There's double blind placebo test yeah, to come back. Exactly. Reviewer number two is angry. Mm so um yeah anyway his name's juan valdez (laughs) his donkey's not much happier either (laughs) all right everyone thank you uh thank you so much for uh for listening to uh to this episode and uh we'll see you guys next week have a good one bye-bye bye thanks for stopping bye can't do that that's his <laughs> no he did it it's over he he did the intro yeah call me